0: Hi, listeners. Welcome to episode 32 of I'm
1: Horrified. Woohoo! I'm Sam Buntich. I'm Allie Rayner. And we're wearing matching tank tops right now. We are! I know you guys can't see it, but I need you to trust us. Accidentally, we're both wearing matching tank yeah. tops right now. we both just came into the pod space wearing that and
0: sweatpants, and it feels right. Yeah, it feels like we're, it's same energy today. Same energy. We're drinking the same seltzer. Yeah, we're twinning real hard right now. Hell yeah. How are you this week, Sam? Um, I'm good. It it was 90 degrees in Boston and now it's 50, so that's been a little jarring. Oh my God. I'm feeling the exact same way. It's been like a frigid hellscape. Yeah. And then tomorrow it's going to be 80. So great. Yeah, never visit Boston. You yeah, don't, don't know be- <laughs> what you're going to get.
1: Yeah, so that's been jarring, but it's also been like metaphorical of just like my life.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's it's, it's worked in a
1: weird way there it's been simpatico
0: yeah how about you how are you the same yeah <laughs> the same just sort of you know lounging in the pathetic fallacy of the weather mm. which is my favorite literary device nice look it up kids I'm not gonna explain it I am gonna look it up um do you know what it is <laughs> I've heard you use it in a sentence before but I've never known it's when um in a book the Weather reflects the state of being a protagonist. Oh, <laughs> it's a dumb literary device, but I just like. No, it. I
1: like it. It's a very eeyore moment.
0: It is. It really is. But yeah, I, I thought that I would pick a subject to reflect, to reflect the frigid temperatures. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the dietlov Pass incident.
1: Sam, what are you going to talk um, about? I'm going to talk about the case of Valentino Dixon. I have no idea what that is. I'm so excited. I'm going to, well, because if I was, it, I could say one thing about it that you would then maybe know what it was. Don't. But I'm going to hold back on that. It's going to be a reveal. Do not tell me. And I just want to say, Al, that I don't really know what you're about to talk about, but I know that in my brain, I always pronounced it Dialotov. Really? And that's wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you, you don't know what it is? You kind of know, but you don't know?
1: I, I feel like it involves the death of people. Bingo. But
0: but I mean, don't so many things. John, Paul, George, and bingo. Um, <laughs> let's get started. I'd love to know the specifics. <laughs> the Dyatlov Pass Incident. First, I want to say that this topic was sent to us by a lovely listener named Lindsay. Lindsay! So thank you, Lindsay, on Twitter. Um, I appreciate it, and it is just as weird as you said it would be <laughs> in your message to us. You're the best, Lindsay. So the Dyatlov Pass Incident is named for Igor Dyatlov. Um, I don't really know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I feel like Igor is pronounced correctly, but Dietlov Maybe. Adam works with a bunch of Ukrainian guys, and they all pronounce it Igor. Is that right? I think so. I'll just refer to him as Dietlov and that will be right or wrong, <laughs> but I won't know for sure. Um, so he was a student at the Ural Polytechnical Institute, which was in the former Soviet Union, because this was in the 50s, which is now called Yekaterinburg, which is coincidentally where the Romanovs were murdered. Oh my
1: God! Hey, full full circle. circle. I know. Um, so it's
0: 1959, and Diatlov decides that he should use his January break from school to go skiing in the Ural Mountains. So he forms a skiing expedition, mainly comprised of students at the university, and gathers nine people plus himself for the trek. So ten people in total. There were eight men and two women, and they were all really experienced hikers with plenty of skiing experience, who weren't really viewing this as, like, you know, hiking Mount Everest. No. Like, it was supposed to be challenging, but not necessarily dangerous. It's just like a ski weekend with yeah. friends. Yeah, exactly. More, more treacherous than that, but, like... A ski weekend with enemies. Exactly. Well, more like, yeah, <laughs> like, it was, like, they were all really good at it, so they, like, wanted a challenge. I It's okay. like, I don't want a challenge on my vacation, but me, okay. Me neither. Never. I also fucking hate skiing. I had an incident where when I was in ski lessons, because I'm a New England child, I had ski lessons and I went down the wrong slope, and, like, I cried down the bunny slope, so, like, I was just not good Mm -hmm. at it, but I went down the wrong one and was, like, just careening down the side of a mountain, so I put that in my, like, my top five to seven traumatic experiences, so I do not ski. I
1: don't like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know that I also have a traumatic skiing incident from when I was a young New England child? Yes!
0: You told me about this, but tell them.
1: (laughs) So here's what happened to me, um, and I'm going to tell you my version, and then I'll tell you the version that my parents claim to be true. I feel like it's a cover-up, but okay. I was four or five, and I had ski lessons because I was a New England child. Mm -hmm. And they are teaching you, like, to pizza and to... Pizza and french fries. yeah, Yeah. And all that good stuff. And then I kind of, like... You just kind of are, like, following the slope, and I fell into what felt like, to me, a six-foot hole in the ground. And it was all, it was the snow that, like, it's been out for a day, so it's kind of got, like, a layer of slidiness on top, like, you're not sinking Uh, into it. Don't like. So I couldn't get up it, because I was so little, And, like, I was trying pizza and fries, and none of it can get up. And I recall being there for just hours, like, weeping in this hole. Finally, like, another little kid notices me, and, like, they're kind of half trying to get me out, but, like, also they don't want to fall in the hole. And then, like, after the 20 minutes of that, the instructor finally comes over. That's what I remember. What my parents claim is that it was, like, barely an indent in the ground, and I was there for not more than one minute. But that feels- That's incorrect. Wrong. They say that my snowsuit was such a bright pink that they could see it from the top of the mountain that they were <laughs> on. And I'm like, well, you saw me in a, a, fighting for my life. Yeah. That's what you could see from the top of the mountain.
0: Basically, we learned to not do any of the stuff that I'm about to describe.
1: Yeah, we stayed inside, and because of that, whatever happens to these people didn't happen to us. Yeah. It's probably death, right? They probably die. You can tell me. I know it's a spoiler.
0: Spoilers. I'm not even gonna (laughs) tell. Of course they die. Um, (laughs) So it's January 27th, and they begin hiking. And on January 28th, One of the men in their party is forced to turn back, uh, before they get to the summit because of some pre-diagnosed health problems with his joints, and I think he has, like, a cardiovascular condition. Why did he want to go on this in the first place? I have no idea, but this guy ends up being the luckiest because he died in 2013 at the ripe old age (laughs) of 75. Good for this motherfucker. So, yeah, um... And so by the 31st of January, they reach the base of the summit that they mean to climb, which is the Otorten Summit. Again, I don't know if that's correct. But Sounds they right. begin hiking upwards through a pass that has not yet been named. Oh,
1: just just a random pass. Just
0: some pass. Waiting for a disaster. Um, and we'll get to that later. But so they start hiking and the weather becomes increasingly bullshit. Uh, there's, like, <laughs> low visibility, it's snowing, it's getting colder, and so they get blown way off track, and they aren't going the way that they intended to go. So they decide to stop and make camp for the night, which they hadn't really intended to do at that location, mm-hmm. but you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, where they pitch their tent on that mountainside is the last thing we know for sure about what happened to these nine individuals. Oh, Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs> So, <laughs> Igor, Igor, I really don't know. Igor will say. The, the more the more I think about it the more I think I'm misremembering what No, Adam that told sounds me. right. That
0: sounds correct. I don't
1: know. Igor.
0: Dietlov was supposed to call their sports club on February 12th when they got back. And by the 12th, no messages were received. Uh oh. But that was kind of common. Like, people got delayed on these yeah. trips. It took a couple days to get back. Mm-hmm. They'll call us tomorrow. Yeah, no one was really worried about that. And this is sad, but it's because of the family's insistence on a rescue party after they didn't call back to the sports club. Mm-hmm. That one actually did go out on February 20th. Mm-hmm. And six days later, on the 26th, they found the last campsite. And right away, something seemed very wrong. Oh. So the tent was torn down completely and covered in snow, and it had appeared to have been violently cut open from the inside. Okay. All of their belongings and gear remained inside the slash tent, and they followed footprints that were either barefoot, had socks on, or had
1: one shoe. Okay. So if I was in the freezing cold of a Russian mountain, I'd be wearing two shoes. Good, good place to start.
0: I think. Um, so let's just keep going. (laughs) Under a huge cedar tree, I think about a mile from there, um, they found the remains of a fire and the first two bodies of the expedition team. Oh, gosh. They were barely clothed, just in underwear, and their hands were bloody and disfigured. Later, this is a lot, they found chunks of flesh in the bark of that tree. And that indicated that they had tried to climb that tree in such a panic that they didn't realize that they were mutilating themselves. Oh my god! Like that so is clearly what happened because like you couldn't was, like, force yourself to them do that. Or some shit? We don't know. Fuck. So let's keep going. Fuck. So Love was found after that with the two other members, and they were sort of between that tree and the campsite, heading back to the campsite. They were clothed, but not properly enough for the outside temperatures. Um, and they had died of hypothermia, uh, as had the first two, I believe. Mm-hmm. At this point, the most confusing thing about this was why did they clearly run away from this camp without proper clothes or shoes into the cold and darkness? Yeah. Like, what happened? Like, why would they do that? What the fuck? Um, and they had, like, shoes and coats and gear that they just left Laying behind. in the tent. So two full months later... The bodies of the four remaining members are found, and things become even more confusing. What? It seemed that their deaths had been caused not by the cold, but by massive trauma to their bodies. (gasps) Three of them had the types of injuries and fractures that you would expect to see in a car accident. So one had significant skull damage. I think the other one had like damage to their sternum and to their chest. Most horrific of all, one of the members, one of the female members was found with her tongue and eyes missing. What? As well as pieces of her lips, facial tissue and skull. Wh- who who took them? A lot of people have a lot of ideas. We're not going to get that to that yet. Oh, my God. Fuck. <laughs> um, so, if I'm in the rescue party, I'm freaking the fuck out. Yeah, I'm done with the rescue. I'm out. I'm running away. Yeah. I can't do it anymore. Fuck. So, like, on top of being terrifying, though, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they had the skills and the gear to survive. Yeah. They didn't run out of food. Like, nothing happened. And they just left everything and died. So naturally this became huge news you know this fun ski trip full of young beautiful students going horribly wrong oh
1: my god it literally sounds like it's literally like the concept of a horror movie like one of them was a virgin and one was a slut and there were two women
0: and like and one
1: bunch of guys and like what was (laughs) happening they just get fucking picked out this is a cabin in the woods-esque horror it really is cabin in the woodsy
0: so right away an inquest into the causes of the tragedy begin even before all the bodies are found to try to determine what had happened in the end they didn't really report anything that everyone didn't already know six died from hypothermia three from fatal injuries and the tent had been ripped open from within one new revelation kind of was that the injuries to the three who had been found later on could not have been inflicted by another human being because the force of the blows were too strong so that kind of ruled out foul play um they also noted that no other footprints were found at the scene so that mm-hmm supported that notion. And because there was no guilty party, in theory, the Soviet government closed the books on this case fairly quickly. Some would say too quickly. Mm. Uh, The cause of death for the three ladder hikers was officially reported as an unknown compelling force, with no specificity or hypothesis about what that could have been. Weird. And this led many people to wonder if the government knew more than they were releasing. That'd be Um, classic Russia. Yeah, exactly. And it ushered in a wave of the most horrifying things of all. Conspiracy theories. (gasps) Gasp. Gasp. So there are tons of conspiracy theories about what happened to these hikers, and I'm sure some of them aren't even on the internet, but I'm going to take you through as many as I can. Oh my god. Okay, number one. Avalanche. That was my first thought. Right. It makes sense. You know, they were on a mountain. It was An avalanche. The snow covered the entrance to the tent, so they had to cut themselves free. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's taken care of. They had to run away from the oncoming snow. That's why they were running away. It all kind of adds up. Unfortunately, there were no signs of an avalanche (laughs) anywhere. And they were experienced hikers. You know, they wouldn't, they're apparently, I don't know this. But there are apparently ways to gauge what land would be, like, submerged by a serious avalanche, and this wasn't, like, a super challenging mountain, so they wouldn't have, I think, they were basically, like, they wouldn't have camped in a place where they would have been in danger of that. Interesting. Unless they made some kind of terrible mistake, but again, there were no signs of an avalanche that leaves patterns in the snow, and those weren't there.
1: Well, that sucks, because that would have been an easy, non-spooky answer. Yeah, but also, like, her eyes were fucking ripped out, so... Well, that could have been, you know... Snow?
0: Birds. All right. (laughs) Um, Number two, infrasound mania. So, in 2013, a man, author, person named Donnie Eicher published a book on the incident hypothesizing that the wind going around the mountain created a vortex of infrasound...
1: And I, I don't know what that is. I didn't look it up. It's like, well, like infrared. What does that mean? It's like a level of light we can't see. It's like lower, it's like lower than the light So it's like a dog whistle. So maybe, yeah, maybe it's like a dog, like a sound that humans can't quite hear but is there. So
0: he hypothesized that that can cause hysteria and panic attacks. Interesting. And like severe physical distress. So he thought this was happening on the mountain and they ran Mm -hmm. for their, they just freaked out. They just freaked out. Um, fine. Number three, Soviet military tests. Mm-hmm. Some people theorize that the Soviet army was testing landmines nearby and that the shell shock forced them to, like, leap out of bed and run down the mountain. hmm Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, number four, radiological weapons. So this one's kind of similar. Um, because of the discoloration and somewhat higher radiation levels found on some of the bodies people theorized that they had run into a military radioactive test zone and died as a result of that however the radioactivity was like dispersed like mm-hmm. some people had it some people didn't and that wouldn't have been the case if there was actual like enough actually enough radioactivity to kill everyone yeah and there was also like blunt force trauma so yeah I don't, like, every make time I'm like, that, may, that answers one of the things, but not any of the <laughs> other seven. Number five, which is something we've talked about already, um, paradoxical undressing. So mm-hmm. this is at least based in science and not nonsense. When you have hypothermia, sometimes your skin gets very hot mm-hmm. and you feel like you're burning, so you take all of your clothes off to try to cool yourself down and then you freeze to death. Mm-hmm. And if it can happen to the Donner Party, <laughs> it can happen to anyone. Amen. To as that. we as we so learned, we should put that on a T shirt. I know. I, oh, agree. So that's science, I guess. But they left their camp without clothes on, so it's not like they wandered into hypothermic conditions and then started undressing. They left,
1: yeah, without any clothes. That is still weird. And why would without, they got any shoes out of the tent?
0: Yeah. And then, furthermore, there was evidence that. Members of the party who fled further from the camp went back to scavenge the clothes that were on their dead companions. So they clearly had the wherewithal to try to get warmer. Weird. But they wouldn't go back to the camp. So something at the camp freaked them out. I guess. Maybe. In this theory. I, well, definitely, I feel like that happened. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but who knows. Number six, Yeti. Um, in 2014, the Discovery Channel aired a
1: documentary about how a Yeti killed everyone. Alright, so I don't want to say that feels like the most sensible solution, but a Yeti shows up, what do you do? You freak the fuck out, and you run, and you're hiding from a Yeti, but then, like, maybe the Yeti's wandered away, and you're like, let me try to get some clothes off my dead friends. Yeti can cause but- blunt force trauma. Yeti would make me want to run up a tree until I mutilated my own hands. It does tick all the boxes. It kind of, it's the only thing you've yeah. said that ticks all the boxes. And the other
0: thing is that they were like, oh, well, it was like a... S- the trauma couldn't have been caused by a human, and everyone was like, superhuman, yeti, we're done here. Yeah, that sounds right. Close the book. Sounds about right. So, number seven, they were attacked by local tribesmen. Um, so, apart from being racist, this is also incorrect. <laughs> The Manzi people, who were aboriginal natives of Kanti Manzia, lived in this area and were for, at first sensationally blamed by tabloids and gossip, um, but as enticing as the narrative of savages attacking innocent young children is, it's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides the fact that the Manzi people are incredibly peaceful, there <laughs> were no other footprints around. Yep. Need I say that again? And the injuries could not have been caused by humans. Yep, exactly. But Yetis uh we'll come back to it maybe i'm sold on there's that. no other information about it to come back to but it's like <laughs> maybe uh number eight ufos what do you think
1: more probable than yetis i gotta Less? say i believe yeti more i don't yeti know why more. No, i don't know why no, fair fair because i think i think ufos i think aliens could have just beamed them up beamed them back down you know what i mean all right
0: fair enough this is an interesting twist though Um, Another set of hikers who were far away from this group but in the same area said that they saw strange orange spheres in the sky during this time. And diaries from the Dyatlov party noted that the tops of the trees seemed to have been slightly charred and burned. Um, And this led many people to believe that UFOs had something to do with it. And what's more, the last photo taken on the cameras that were in their possession... Mm -hmm. Is a photo of a bright white light against a black background.
1: Oh, yes,
0: interesting. So that's wild.
1: I'm horrified. If if fucking aliens come to Earth and the first thing they do is massacre a bunch of twenty year olds, like, come on, you guys. Uh, is it the worst thing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying they could have either come in peace or wiped out a whole big. Have you seen of people?
0: Do you watch The Twilight Zone? I've seen episodes. Have you seen To Serve Man? That's no. like a really famous one.
1: I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Can I ruin it for you? Yeah.
0: So I love this episode. It's so stupid, and I love it. I love The Twilight Zone.
1: I find um, that Twilight Zone spooks me like nothing it's else. It's scary. It is scary. Yeah. People act
0: like it's not scary, but you watch them, and it is scary. It is. Um, maybe I'll talk about that for our Halloween episode. Ooh, Ooh hinting, you guys. Um, so the episode is about aliens coming to earth and they have this like shitty un meeting where it's like the un is meeting to discuss the aliens and then one of the aliens shows up Is <gasps> not all, better security at the UN. and all of the un people are like clearly like actors from california doing like a terrible french <laughs> italian spanish accent thank god um like what are we going to do about this and i'm just like i love it i live for it um so they basically say the aliens are like we exist to serve man, so that's why we're here. Like, we're here to help you and fix war and and hunger and all that great stuff. Cool. Um, and then, like, they become an international sensation, and everyone's like, oh my god, like, life is fixed now. And then they're like, well, you guys can come visit our planet, because we're visiting your planet, so you can come visit our I planet. I have
1: heard about this a lot. And it's
0: amazing, and it's like a like a vacation all the time, and then... There's like a lady linguist who's working with the protagonist of this sketch and um they're like trying to decode the book. Uh-huh. Um, and so one of the, the protagonist is like getting on the plane or spaceship to go visit the planet uh-huh. for the first time. He's so excited. And the woman runs up and she's like, I've figured out like what the book means. And she's like, It's a cookbook, like <laughs> to serve man. To serve to serve them. For dinner. And it's so fucking stupid. And he's like, no! Um, I love it. It's oh so God. good. It's so dumb. But it's, like, brilliant. It's stupid and brilliant. And some of them are really, really smart. Yeah. Now I'm on a just tangent about the Twilight Zone. It's a great love, show. Which is horrifying. It is. fabulous. It is. I, it spooks me. But we got off track here, and there are three more oh my God. conspiracy theories. So it might have been aliens trying to eat a bunch of dudes. Yes, exactly. Uh Oh, where are we? Uh, number nine. Wind. Number 10, a lover's quarrel. Go broke back. Out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Uh, I don't I have anything else for you. Just the, just it was windy? Blew him away. All right. All right. Okay. Number 10, all a right. lover's quarrel broke out among <laughs> the group. It's the women's fault. I know. I love this one because it's the, it makes the least sense of all of them, <laughs> but don't you just wish it was true? Like multiple people are, Multiple people were so heartbroken that they took off their shoes and <laughs> ran into certain death. Like, you can't write this stuff. Oh, I love God. it. Um, and last but certainly not least, the KGB. Some believe that a few of the hikers were undercover KGB agents making a secret delivery to Americans waiting out in the mountains. But something went wrong during the exchange... And the Americans killed the KGB agents along with their companions so the truth would die with them. Still doesn't explain why they're naked and... Yes, but it, it adds, like, a fun Soviet-era aesthetic to everything. Fair, fair, So it's up there for me. Okay. So... I gotta say, Yeti is still my number one. You've really brought me around to that. You're, I mean, it does cover... It ticks all the boxes. <laughs> it ticks can I say? every box. So as exciting as these theories are... Um, and as many shady documentaries and detailed books have been written about the incident, there is no one alive today who knows what happened on that mountain on February 1st of 1959. The pass they took to their demise has since been named after their leader, Dietlov. Though their bodies were eventually returned to their families, the truth remains buried in the Ural Mountains. Ooh. And that is the story of the Dietlov Pass incident. Oh my god. Isn't that wild? That's
1: I'm spooked by that. Yeah. I'm horrified.
0: It was a really, really good. I don't like, like that. Topic. I mean, I like it, but I don't like. it. And I don't like it. It was very similar to the Donner Party. For yeah, me. it was. But even spookier because like, yeah, it's the, the Donner, Donner Party. Party we just know what fucking happened. Bleak. Like it it's just so they really fucked up. Like, yeah, that's the whole story. Like the whole time is just them going shit. <laughs> but this could be anything. This could be anything, and it's and nobody knows. Like nobody survived. Oh my god. So yeah, thanks, Lindsay. From Twitter, appreciate slash it. No
1: thanks, Lindsay. Slash I'm no gonna thanks. have nightmares tonight. Um, but huh. yeah, do you have something happier? Um, is it happier or less? Yes, it lighter? It is kind of. Yeah. What is it? Um, well, mine is about the criminal justice system and the free press. So that, that doesn't sounds, sound fun at all. So it sounds lofty, but it it's gonna turn out to be pretty stupid. Great. Perfect. So just stick with me through this first part. Awesome. And we'll get there. So. On August 10th of 1991, a fight broke out in Buffalo, New York. Um, It was about 70 people hanging around a storefront, and there was a fight, and someone had a gun and ended up opening fire, leading to the death of a young man, Toriano Jackson, who was 17. That's terrible. Very sad. The police's prime suspect in this murder quickly became a man named Valentino Dixon, So he was at that time 21 years old, and he did have a record for selling small amounts of cocaine, and he has confessed that he often carried a gun as a small-time cocaine dealer, but he had no priors for violent crimes, and he's maintained his innocence. So he gave an interview, and here's his recollection of the evening and the events. Quote, It was 1.30 in the morning, and we were hanging out at a popular street corner, There were probably 70 people there when word came through that the Jackson brothers were looking to get my friend Mario. It was over a girl. You never knew how seriously to take these threats in our neighborhood. But sure enough, I was in a store buying beer when I heard the shots. Pow, pow. I ran outside the store and grabbed my half-brother to flee. I didn't want any involvement. I was out on bail, of all things. I wasn't going to let some romance drama among younger kids land me in prison. I drove home and went to bed. From what I saw, I didn't think anybody had died. The next day, the cops pulled me over, and within minutes, a tow truck was there to haul away my car. It wasn't until I got to the station that they said I was being charged with second-degree murder, second-degree attempted murder, and third-degree assault. Yeesh. So it's very sudden for Valentino. He, like, literally is like, I was around, but I was not there, and I don't know what happened. And it seems really bad. He's now under arrest, but the very next day, another young man, 18-year-old Lamar Scott, confesses on camera to a local reporter that it had been him who committed the murder. Okay. So that sounds- So we're done. That sounds great for Valentino. Yeah, we're done, right? He's thrilled. Valentino's half-brother, like, goes to talk to Lamar, and his- Valentino's dad ends up driving Lamar to the police station, because Lamar doesn't have a car. He only has a bike. Fair enough. But here's how we get to how horrifying the criminal justice system is. Honestly. Yay. Listen to season three of Serial. <laughs> um, despite his confession, the cops feel really confident that it was Valentino who committed the crime, even though Valentino has no violent priors or anything. Oh,
0: no. Uh, carrying
1: small amounts of drugs basically <laughs> makes you a murderer. Didn't yeah. you know that, Sam? I've heard that. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. And they use the fact that Valentino's dad drove Lamar to the station as evidence that Lamar was actually coerced into this confession. And they basically say that to him, and he ultimately recants. Which sucks. So then, they have to go on trial. (laughs) The trial starts. What the fuck? I know, right? Um, And there are a few people who are going on the stand saying, like, hey, Valentino didn't do this. It was this kid Lamar. Like, I was there. I saw him. But at a preliminary meeting... Christopher Belling, the district attorney, charges these people with perjury. What? Because he says they're lying to protect Valentino, and therefore, they can't bring them on the stand for the actual trial. Which is like... You can't just... What? Yeah. You can do that if you're the district attorney. But how does he know they're lying? Because he thinks they're lying. Because he has other witnesses who are saying... Oh, well, I did
0: forget that when men say that people are lying, it's true. It's true. So... If a Sorry. white dude
1: says you're lying. Yeah, you're lying. You're a liar. Sorry. You might be a whore and you're yeah. a liar. <laughs> Good chance of that. <laughs> uh, we're doing well. <laughs> so. Yeah. So the, the district attorney has other witnesses, most notably the brother of um, the man who had died, who are saying it was Valentino. Although that guy's story gets, like, weirder as the time goes on, and at first he's just like, I saw someone, and then later he's like, oh, it was Valentino Dixon. This is just all, like, fucking making a murderer. (laughs) Yeah. What's-his-face? Who they coerce. Oh, God. Brandon. Brandon.
0: Brandon? Something like that. Poor Braid Brandon. (laughs) such
1: as he was it's just so, a young sad. Man. It's so
0: sad it upset it, it upset me yeah. watching
1: that but yeah the, the the guy's brother says someone's like so you didn't name him at first but then you said it was him later and he was like yeah my memory gets better with time and but, you everyone's know like everyone like, <laughs> that sounds right So yeah, so the people who are trying to testify on Valentino's behalf are not allowed to testify. And instead, the district attorney, Belling, just brings up these people who are like, I now remember it was Valentino. The funnest of facts is that Valentino Dixon, as well as most of the people who were there the night of the crime, is black. And the jury is, of course, all white. Oh, good. Isn't that great? (laughs) So Carl Kraling, who is now 53... Was the foreman at the time and the youngest member of the jury that ultimately convicted Valentino of second-degree murder, second-degree attempted murder, and third-degree assault. Oh, my God. He went to jail, for sure. He went to jail. So, to this day, this guy, Kraling, remains unsettled about this whole experience. And he said, quote, The first vote was 9-3 not guilty, and I was one of those voting not guilty. And as he remembers, there was one really vocal juror who, like, persuaded everyone else over 14 hours that Valentino definitely did it. And then when they got out, the judge went to him and he was like, why did that take so long? And, like, this guy was like, well, like, we weren't sure he did it and he's going to go to jail for, like, a really long time. And the judge was like, no, this was a bad guy. You guys did the right thing.
0: Which is so fucked up
1: that the judge was just so confident. Yeah. Like, it was clear everyone on that side of the case, like, had an opinion about Valentine. Yeah, oh, this is a criminal, so no matter
0: the facts,
1: we should put him in prison. Exactly. Now, this story actually has a cautiously optimistic ending. Please tell me he's not still in jail. So after 27 years in prison, a well-respected print magazine picked up Dixon's story and, through their diligent reporting, shed new light on his case. His conviction was overturned in early 2018, thanks to this heroic publication. Wow. Do you have a guess about what this publication is? Well, I want to say, like, the Times Mm -hmm. or,
0: like, the Washington Post Mm -hmm. or something. I'm sure it's something way less reputable. Yeah, give it your wildest guess for me. Um, well, The Inquirer. No. Uh, Cosmo? No. Tiger Beat?
1: No. (laughs) No. i don't know do you want to hear it cosmo girl i got it what is it (laughs) it was golf digest are you fucking kidding me (laughs) it was absolutely golf fucking digest oh my god yeah good for them (laughs) good for them so here's what happens while he is in prison um valentino becomes known as a really talented artist he uses colored pencil and he draws i guess these really gorgeous drawings And he's commissioned by the warden, James Conway, to draw a picture for him, namely the 12th hole at Augusta National Golf Course, at which the warden enjoys playing. That's sweet. So Valentino uses his colored pencils, draws this gorgeous version of this hole, and he really enjoys the experience. He says, quote, I spent 15 hours on it. Something about the grass and sky was rejuvenating. I'd been getting bored with drawing animals and people and whatever I'd get out of National Geographic. After 19 years in Attica Correctional Facility, the look of a golf hole spoke to me. It seemed peaceful. I imagined playing would be a lot like fishing. So mind you, Sweet Valentino had never been to a golf course. But just like the experience of drawing golf courses was really relaxing and rejuvenating to him. That's beautiful. So he starts borrowing another inmate's copies of Golf Digest. Okay. And using them as inspiration for his pictures. And he ends up drawing over 130 images of golf courses. And they're all, like, he's, like, he gets inspiration from them, but he's drawing his own holes, like, not real places, and he's just, like, I like imagining, like, the grass and the sky and, like, the the wind going through the little... He's a true land. artist. It's literally gorgeous. So, eventually, Golf Digest sees these gorgeous photos, like, these gorgeous pictures, and they want to publish them, but then they realize the artist is a convicted murderer. Yeah. And they probably shouldn't. But the pictures are so gorgeous, they end up looking into the case. They're like, we might just have to free him for it. (laughs) (laughs) And they find all this weird, racially motivated stuff that went down at the trial. And they also kind of rediscover the fact that Lamar Scott, the man who had confessed to the murder, but later recanted, is also in Attica with (laughs) Valentino because he is guilty of a shooting that led to a person becoming quadriplegic. And since arriving in Attica, he has recanted his recantation. Huh. So that's right. Years past, he had fully reconfessed to the crime that Valentino is sitting in jail for. And not only sitting in jail, but sitting in the same jail as Lamar. Are you kidding me? And Valentino has these gorgeous quotes about how, like, I can't be angry. And I'm like, if I saw every fucking day, the guy who made me go to prison for 27 years, I would, like, break my colored pencil in half and kill him with I know, it. I right? I'd, like, shove it. Ugh. Yeah. In 2012... Golf Digest writes an article called Golf Saved My Life, Drawings from Prison, about Valentina's story. And this article kind of blows up and leads to further national spotlights by, like, the Golf Channel, Fox Sports, and the Georgetown University Prison Reform Project, among others. Mm. Alongside this, I cannot give all credit to Golf Digest, Dixon's daughter, Valentina, led a grassroots campaign to raise money for her father's legal funds by selling his artwork online.
0: Oh, that's wonderful.
1: But so, this, like, thing becomes viral, and finally he's getting his appeals heard. And according to Donald Thompson, who, along with Alan Rosenthal, filed Valentino's latest motion, which is the one that ultimately got made him free, that is the thing that led to Valentino's case being heard. And he says, and here's the most horrifying quote. Ugh. Quote. Once a case crosses a certain threshold of media attention, it matters, even though it shouldn't. It's embarrassing for the legal system that for a long time, the best presentation of the investigation was from a golf magazine. Yeah. So, like, thank God he is now free and Sweet Valentino can visit golf courses. I know. But now I have to be here horrified that Golf Fucking Digest were were the people to free this man and not our current criminal justice system.
0: Yeah. And it's, like, it's, like, a thank God,
1: but also, like, he lost 27 years of his life. And it's, like, if he hadn't been good at drawing golf courses... Exactly. <laughs> he just yeah. would have rot in jail, I guess. Yeah, and
0: I think there's, like, this commodification of that, whereas, you know, a perfectly average, untalented person still doesn't deserve to sit in jail for their whole life. Exactly.
1: I just feel like there's probably another inmate there that's like, alright, I can't draw beautiful golf courses, but, like, I'm a nice person. Yeah, but I'm in
0: jail because I'm black and I had, like, an ounce of weed on
1: me. <laughs> exactly. And that's not cool either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's fucking horrific. But so I heard about that and I was literally like, what the fuck? Oh my God. And so I read their, their original, um, 2012 article is beautifully written. Love that. Really gorgeous. Um, and then they had an update in 2018 once he was freed, kind of saying that like, holy shit, we freed this guy from jail. I mean, if I was Golf Digest, I'd be excited about that. Yeah, it's just so wild. It's one of the wildest things I've ever heard. Um, but fuck the criminal justice system. Oh, my God. Oh, God.
0: I don't even think we could do
1: a whole episode on that, because I would just be too sad. I know. I'm honestly being honest right now. I'm honestly being honest. Give me it. I am. (laughs) So, like, I love Serial Season 1. It's the thing that got me into podcasts. I think a lot of people will say that. But this season, they're going, like, very deep into, like, the Cleveland, like, justice system, basically. And they're just recording a bunch of stuff and doing stories about that. And it's, like, I've only listened to the first two or three episodes, but it's really, really interesting, and it's a lot of weird fucking stories like this that mm-hmm. are, like, she got in a bar fight and then accidentally touched a cop, and now she's being charged with a felony for hitting a cop. Like, weird-ass criminal justice things. Yeah. Like, listen to that if stories like this are interesting and infuriating to you. Yeah, and I think
0: it sh- it's something that should be really important to everyone. Yeah. Um, especially as two women who will probably never have to worry about
1: that. Yeah. The fact um, that, the fact that we are both white and middle class yeah. protects us in a way that Valentino Dixon was not protected, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Like, I got arre- kind of
0: arrested. I got charged with shoplifting when I was, I think, 13, and, uh, nothing happened. Yeah. You know, like, I hung out at a Salvation Army restocking t-shirts for two hours. hmm and I wrote a little paragraph that I, like, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Nothing happened, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Got wiped from my record, and like, you could be any age, and if you fit a certain profile, and we all know what those profiles are, yes, it it can ruin your life. Yeah, and people are excited to ruin your life, and mm-hmm. it's horrific. Yeah, um, so
1: that's terrible. But so that is the case of Valentino Dixon. A.K.A. the time that Golf Digest saved a man's life. That's wonderful,
0: but I, I like I feel more sad for his story <laughs> than um than for those skiers. They I chose to go up that mountain. They walked up that mountain, dude. Yeah, like, I don't know what else
1: to tell you. Don't yeah. participate in winter sports. Yeah, Valentino would not have done that because he knew. Get the fuck out of there when something bad's going on. He would have been that guy who like yeah, turned he was around. Like, I'm good.
0: It's like no, I'm not feeling this. Yeah. You want to be that guy. Yeah. When you're faced with adventure or going home and napping, yeah. do that second one and you'll survive. Yeah. Well,
1: because it's like, it's like so many people are afraid of like, like FOMO, like fear of missing out. Yes. But I have like FOMO, which is like fear of missing limbs. You know, like I'd rather keep my tongue and eyes in my body, even if I miss the ski trip. Right. I have photo
0: FOMO, which is fear of dying over FOMO. <laughs> So, like, if my FOMO were to lead to my demise, that worries me. Yeah. Absolutely. So I might as well just sit.
1: You might as well just hang out in safe, warm yeah. places.
0: I might as well just listen to this podcast all day, which is what I hope all of our listeners are doing. Just safe. And if you guys are on a mountain
1: right now, get off that. Get off of there. Oh, I'm not going to tell you again. There is someone who's, like, going up to a ski trip with friends, listening to this podcast, and now they're like, fuck. You guys, I have <laughs> somewhere else to be. <laughs> tweeted us. That's you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, But that's what I got for you.
0: All right. Well, it, it has, at least has a
1: happy. It does. Ending. It does. And it made me want to subscribe to Golf Digest just to yeah. appreciate them. I'm not going to do that because I don't care about golf, but still good for them. Good for them. Nothing good for them. We'll tweet the articles out because yeah. they are truly beautifully written. Yeah. And good for him
0: for, you know. Yeah. Better for him. Maintaining his innocence and And creating art in that situation. Yeah. What a a beautiful story. Yeah, they are quite literally, let me see if I can
1: pull up the pictures really quick. They are truly, like, beautiful, um, like, photos of golf courses. Can you buy them? You could, like, to raise money for his legal defense. I don't know if you still can, because he no longer needs a legal defense. He still needs money, I bet. That's true. Here's a bunch of them.
0: Who doesn't, right?
1: Well, they are beautiful. They're beautiful. Yeah, they're so gorgeous. And they're not, like, real holes. Like, he makes all of these up in his brain. Yeah, those are gorgeous. They're really beautiful. Wow. I know. That's the other thing. Like, he was 21. Like, we're both 24. Jesus Christ. Imagine if three years ago someone had been like, you're going to be in jail forever. Yeah, I'm such an idiot and I never remember,
0: like, where I am or what I'm up to. Like, I could have accidentally killed someone way easier than, like, so many other people. (laughs) Don't quote me on that. I wouldn't. That's what I got. That was really good.
1: Thank you. Yours was really good, too.
0: Oh, thank you. Oh, my hands. Oh, we're doing it. We're both doing such a great episode job. Episode 32. Yes. And listeners, you're doing a great job, too. Thank you for sticking with us. Have you listened to all 32 episodes of this? Pod? Wow. Tell
1: us if you have. We should do, now that we're at 32, maybe we should do, like, a bracket to find everyone's favorite episode. Oh, my God. I love that. That'd be fun. That would be fun. I don't even know what my favorite
0: episode is. Mine's our next episode. And it always will be. Because we can always do better. Good one. I just pulled that right out of my ass. It was nice. It was nice, right? <laughs> but yeah, so those are two bummers. Uh, but you know what? If you know us, that's... What else did you fucking expect, right?
1: Yeah. Um, Mine
0: is less of a bummer than you often get on this pod. That's true. So y- we threw you a bone. <laughs> you're welcome. Week. You're welcome. Um, But regardless of that... We hope that until next week, you stay horrified.
1: Stay horrified.